Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all of football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss, the best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. How about it? Welcome in Thursday, first day of June. First day of June 2023. We got Italian Fest going on this weekend. Hope everybody enjoys themselves. They get over there. Enjoy yourself responsibly, though. This is my part of town. We don't need a bunch of insane things going on, but ha- have your fun. Have your fun. But welcome into the Gabe Coon Show. I am Gabe Coon on Twitter at G underscore Coon 71, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman. I am alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Coon Show. That would be Connor Dunning on Twitter at CDunning929. Connor, hello. What's How's up, it going? Sir? Going well? Very well. Very Good excited. Hear. Good to hear. Nice. Nice. So yesterday was kind of a, a wild day. It was a day, man. It was a heck of a day. We had the DeAndre Williams news drop right in the middle of the show. Live reaction. But we do have three hours of talk on the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM ESPN and yours truly. And I don't have so much of uh, the live reaction today. I had 24 hours to think on it. So I feel like I need to clear the air a little bit to a certain extent. And I'll do that here off the top of the show, but I do want to lay out the show for you. We do have NBA Finals Game 1 to get to in Denver. Nine-point favorite the Denver Nuggets are tonight. The Heat have uh, dismantled lines, though. This entire playoff run, so we'll see what happens there. We'll talk about that um, on the, the NBA coaching front. Monty Williams got paid, Connor. Got absolutely paid $13 million a year. million a year for Monty Williams to coach the Detroit Pistons. We have some investment going on in Detroit. Um, As far as guests are concerned, David Cobb will join at 5 o'clock. We'll have a little bit to talk about when it comes to DeAndre, but we'll also hop into some SEC spring meetings. Nick Saban, what he's had to say. Eli Drinkwitz, what he had to say er, throughout the week. Um, But we'll talk a lot of college basketball, a lot of college football with him. 6 o'clock, we will talk nearly strictly. DeAndre Williams with Jason Munns, who has been on. He was supposed to join yesterday, but that blew up really quickly when we got the news drop from Doc Holliday that DeAndre Williams was actually going to explore another year of eligibility. Um, He'll join at 6 o'clock from the Commercial Appeal, Tiger basketball beat reporter for them. He originally had the scoop from uh, 
DeAndre's mom saying that he was not going to come back, and then the next day he announced that he's going to try to. I uh, I see people going after Jason to a certain extent. I think that you need to calm down. I mean, isn't isn't the mom isn't that a Pretty solid. I mean, that's decent sourcing. Yeah, it's not bad I sourcing. Think it's a, it's, I think it's a fair <laughs> source to have. Is, is the mother DeAndre, of the player? And then DeAndre, within his statement, said, "I love my mom, but she was not privy to the information." So, Jason got it. Ended up getting the 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 correct sourcing there after the fact. But we'll talk to him about the situation and and sort of what this litigation is going to look like with the NCAA. It's it's going to be all over the place for a couple weeks here, but we should have an answer within that time frame. We'll hop into the Blitz around 6.30. NBA referees have uh, burner accounts on Twitter, and the NBA kept a a referee, Eric Lewis, from being an official in the NBA Finals because of of it. Shannon Sharp has reached a buyout agreement with Fox Sports. He's no longer going to be with Skip Bayless. I feel like just everybody – I mean, I don't know anybody whose relationship has not soured with Skip Bayless at this point. Is there anyone? Is there anyone? Jenny Taft was gone. Um, for a second, Joy Taylor was on that show. She's not. She's no the, longer. The only person that likes <laughs> Skip Bayless is whatever executive is making money off of him. Yes, correct, correct. He, I mean, but at the same time, like, yeah, you're making money, but you're paying what six, six, seven million a year to Skip Bayless to do what he does and just speak nonsense. Nonsense, correct. Yes. So there is that. Also, uh, have to hop into Zach Eady, National Player of the Year last year, returning to school. Return to school. And what does that mean for college basketball? Is college basketball in a healthy place? Now, let's start with DeAndre Williams. Trying to get a waiver to come back to the University of Memphis for another year of, year of eligibility. Um, the, the, the term that has been used for his first year at Evansville when he was a partial qualifier, he had a year in residence where he was not allowed to play because of academic requirements, and uh, they're trying to reverse that and see what the NCAA has to say. Now, I think I need to clear the air a little bit. I think people take uh, certain things I said yesterday in, in, in my live reaction a little bit out of context. I love DeAndre Williams. Love him. Greatest. Awesome Tiger. Great player. Great enthusiasm. He's entertaining. He facilitates winning. We've seen a lot of winning the past three years when he is on the floor. That being said, forgive me for th- thinking this is insane. This is crazy. This is wild. This is something I didn't have on the bingo card this offseason. The thought of it is c- kind of ridiculous. It's kind of ridiculous. But let's think about his timeline. He's going to be 27 before the season starts. 2015, he was invited to the NBA Top 100 camp. 15-16, uh, 2015-2016, uh, withdrew from high school, was homeschooled. 2016 and 2017, he did not play. 2017 and 2018, he was a post-grad um, academy guy. He went to an academy. 18-19, he was a partial qualifier uh, his freshman year at Evansville and was not allowed to play. 19-20, went to Evansville. Uh, and then 20-23, through 23, he transferred to Memphis and has been fantastic. First-team all-conference, borderline uh, best forward in the conference every single year he's been a part of it. One thing that I said yesterday that I think still holds true for me, this move, seeing what's happening, still comes across with a level of desperation for a proven commodity headed into next year. Now, you just think for a second before, before the, the, the ats and the tweets come right at me. Think for a second. This is a guy um, in Penny Hardaway who's a certified player getter who has two other guys with the same reputation on his staff, Andy Borman and Rick Stansberry. And yet 
you're digging into the well to bring back a guy who is going to be 27 at the start of the season and hoping and praying to get an NCAA waiver for one more year. I mean, that, I mean, there's a level of desperation to that. And you're hiring, I mean, by all accounts here, hiring the same exact lawyer that helped Penny through the IARP investigation. I have to believe that Penny Hardaway had some say in how this was going. There's a certain level of desperation. But all that said, it's okay. It's okay to have some desperation when we talk about teams. In the NBA playoffs, for example, playing with desperation. When we say a team is playing with desperation, Connor, what are we talking about? A team that has their back up against the wall, that's really fighting, that's playing hard, and it's a positive thing. It's a positive thing. I remember my recruiting journey before I got to the University of Memphis. I had uh, my whole goal was to be a Division I college football player, Division I-A preferably. And two weeks before signing day, I had an offer from Western Kentucky that got pulled. I got an offer from uh, Ball State, tried to commit. They said, you can't commit. We don't have a scholarship for you. So you know what I did with my dad? I went back to the drawing board. I went to my computer. We sent off no less than 500 emails and DMs to coaches around the country we had connections with. Know what, had hap- know what happened because of that? I ended up meeting up with uh, Barry Odom, get a scholarship to Memphis. I accomplished my goal because of the desperation. Sometimes desperation is a good thing. And also, like, you look around the country in college basketball. He's not the only coach that's, that's dealing with a certain amount of desperation on the recruiting front. Everyone has to move with, with some uh, desperate times, call for desperate measures in this time of year, this age of college basketball, there's guys in the portal that just hop out and go to different schools with one-time transfers. There's guys in the draft that move on that you wanted to be around for a couple of years. Cal, Coach Cal, John Calipari, just lost Oscar Shibway and Chris Livingston yesterday. He's dying to bring in proven talent. He wants new guys. Yeah, he's got a number one recruiting class coming in, but he needs more talent that's proven. We've seen him with number one recruiting classes and trying to bring along those guys. Sometimes it just does not work that way, and we know that freshmen have their struggles year one. Jawan Howard. Think about Jawan Howard. He lost Jet Howard, Hunter Dickinson, Kobe Bufkin, couldn't get Caleb Love on campus. He's going to move with desperation as well. This is not something that is just Penny Hardaway. This is around the country. You have to move that way. And regardless, I I think if you can reasonably get DeAndre back, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-damn-brainer. I get it. He's first-team all-conference, all-AAC tournament. And you're in need of a guy who's an absolute killer, an experienced player to help bring along young guys, someone you can count on to be your main scoring presence night to night. He creates for himself, for his teammates. He's unselfish, and he's a beacon of intensity. It's a no-damn-brainer. If you can get another year of eligibility, you get another year of eligibility. No question about it. If you're told there's a chance, you do everything in your power to make it happen. Just because I find it a little bit desperate, though, doesn't mean I don't understand. That's the point I'm trying to get at. And, like, when we talk about DeAndre Williams, how great is he? How great is he? First-team all-conference, and I think a borderline, if he comes back next year, borderline AAC player of the year. DeAndre Williams last year, 17.7 points per game, 8.2 rebounds per game, 2.9 assists per game, 54% from the field. The final four most outstanding player was Adama Sanogo last year. Stats, 17.2 points per game, 7.7 rebounds per game, 1.3 assists per game, 60% from the field. 
He's right there with the MOP of the Final Four. DeAndre is truly one of the best players in college basketball. And certainly in the AAC, he'd be a top three guy at the very least, barring health. Again, conference player of the year type talent. And obviously, obviously for DeAndre, I get that being in Memphis, as opposed to trying a pro career and going to Serbia or Kazakhstan or I, I don't know, Australia, New Zealand. Like, it's just, it's better to be at home, closer to family, making NIL money than it is going out to a foreign country. There's no, there's no doubt about it. So if they can get this done, if they can help facilitate this, hell yes, make it happen. Now, facilitating it, we're going to have to talk about his case. It's, it's an interesting one, and I think there's something there. Um, he enrolled at Evansville in 2018, but he was ineligible to play for academic reasons. That season was classified again as a year in residence, and it counted against his five-season clock. So it's purely, right now, in the NCAA's hands, once the waiver is submitted, it's purely in the NCAA's hands to make the final ruling. Don Jackson, DeAndre's legal counsel, can provide additional info, evidence to help get a positive outcome. And I think there's a reason for optimism with Don Jackson, because Don Jackson was Penny Hardaway's counsel for IARP, and nothing happened there, right? The case was pretty clearly made, and nothing from a repercussion standpoint was very heavy-handed when a lot of us, not necessarily me, but a lot of us thought it would be. And he also, within his repertoire, Don Jackson, has represented multiple collegiate athletes who have successfully applied for eligibility relief from the NCAA. So he has experience in this exact matter. On top of that, Don Jackson has hinted at DeAndre getting bad advice leading him to be a partial or non-qualifier academically year one at Evansville. A prep coach telling him he would have been academically uh, eligible, and then he goes to Evansville and he realizes that prep coach may have given him bad advice. That could make the case in itself. You have bad leadership, whether it's at Evansville or at the prep school, he had a fired coach at Evansville, Title IX issues. He had unfair tr- uh, a prep school coach who could have told him he was eligible when he wasn't. So it, that could make the case. But unfair treatment, um, unfair treatment for DeAndre Williams is what they're banking on. That he was young, he was impressionable, he was taking advice from people, and he may not have taken the right advice from those people. But it, it's tricky. This, this whole thing's tricky. I mean, we can't act like this is just open, shut, DeAndre's going to get another year of eligibility. Time is an issue here. Don Jackson has said three, four, five months to make the case would be a lot better, but they expect to be in a position early next week or midweek next week to provide new information uh, and, and get the NCAA to give an answer at that time. Um, and, and, and another complicating factor here, and i got to say, I'm pretty disappointed about this one in particular, Connor. The university has put out public statements to the press in this city about DeAndre Williams exhausting all of his eligibility, and they have said he doesn't think he has a case. That's, that, that's disappointing to me. Why, why would you say he has no case publicly? What's the reasoning for that? You need to know what's going on It shows a disconnect. It shows that also the NCAA can turn right back around and use that against DeAndre Williams and Don Jackson in these proceedings. Your school doesn't even think you have more eligibility. 
That's frustrating. Now, I, I, I will say, ultimately, there's no need to hold your breath on an NCAA decision. It either works or it doesn't. Like, you can't do anything. It's going to be in their hands. But if this happens, goes without saying, huge, huge get for Penny and that team headed into the next season, and I think it immediately becomes a tournament roster. And I, I think that's as, as simply put as I can uh, make it. And as for my thoughts on how this works, how this works out for DeAndre Williams, for Don, for Penny, I don't know. I'd bet slightly against him getting the waiver approved and him getting another year, but my hope here is that the NCAA doesn't have a large enough stomach for this and just sort of gives in. NCAA's been running out of power for a long time, and maybe this is a fight they don't want to be entrenched in for, a, for an entire offseason. So that's my hope. That's absolutely the hope that I'm clinging on to right now, and like I agree with everything that you said, and I especially agree with the point that desperation is not inherently a negative thing. No. I mean, I'm going to get film nerdy on you here for a second. But Go for it. Quite literally, some of the best movies ever made have been created out of desperation and figuring things out on the fly because things were not working. For example, The Godfather. Francis Ford Coppola literally almost got fired. They were not allowed to use Al Pacino. There's so much craziness around that movie. Maybe the greatest movie ever made. Jaws, Steven Spielberg. Yep. The damn shark wouldn't work. <laughs> Turned out to be one of the greatest accidents of all time because he chose not to show the shark for most of the movie. So when you saw it for the first time, it was spine tingling, yep. and we know that Jaws completely started the summer blockbusters. I mean, you can go back and you can look at sports. Like desperation has led to some extremely, you know, positive moments, and that's why, like, we've been talking about how, you know, Penny has had this rabbit that he's going to pull out of the hat or this thing up of his up his sleeve, and to me. Based on the comments from DeAndre Williams, it seems to me like they tried to pull a couple couple rabbits out of that hat, and those didn't work. So finally, they said, "What about DeAndre? Did we let's take a look yeah. at that again?" Because based on his comments, it sounds like he thought he didn't have eligibility, and like you said, the university has said he didn't have eligibility. It seems like they took another look at it and said, "Is there an angle here?" And they found one. And credit to them for doing yes, that. That's great. Yes. This, Do that. Uh, this could be this. DeAndre Williams stepping on that court next year wearing a Memphis Tigers uniform completely changes the outlook of that season. It completely yep. changes it for me. He becomes the best player on that court every single Arguably time in the conference. he walks out there. He's going to make guys better. He's going to be a Band-Aid for some of those freshmen. He's going to be a leader to try to, you know, to try to instill some things into those freshmen. He knows how Penny wants to run a program. He knows how he wants to run an offense, how he wants to run a defense. Having him there is amazing. And if that came out of desperation, hell yeah. yeah. That's a good thing. It means that you give a damn. Yes. Desperation means you care. It would be infuriating if they were like, you know what? It's just, you know, we're going to roll into the season with the roster we have. We tried some things that didn't work out. This to me means that they are exhausting every opportunity to make this roster better, which means positive things for the Memphis Tigers. It means that coaching staff, that university gives a damn. It means they give a damn. No one cares about how you get there. If you're winning championships, exactly. and you put together a good run in an NCAA tournament. No one gives a damn how if you had to get a waiver for DeAndre Williams to play another year, and he's your leading scorer. I don't and care he's if the he's guy 50. who wins. If he has a year of eligibility, of the year, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter how you get there if you get there. Desperation is not always some negative, and I, I feel like people view that word 
in this negative light. No, it means that you're doing everything you can to try to put yourself and your team in a good position. And a lot of good results are yielded because of that. I look at the Heat right now in the NBA Finals because they are playing with desperation. Because you, I, there was questions I had going into the off or going into the playoffs. Is this the last great iteration, decent iteration that we're going to see from the Heat? Kyle Lowry's on his last leg. They have all these undrafted guys that are unproven. And look at them; they're desperate. They played desperate throughout the playoffs. Now they're in the NBA Finals against the Nuggets. Good things can happen. It's not always some negative. Outlook, when I say, when someone says that desperation is being used or someone is desperate. So I, I, I will say this, though, Connor. We always talk about Penny Hardaway having a trick up his sleeve, rabbit out of the hat, the whole, whatever damn cliche you want to use. This, this takes a cake. If this goes through, this takes the cake for anything. It's, it's the I mean, Hail it's, Mary of Hail Marys. I mean, you look at Jalen Duran and Imani Bates. That was a reclassification situation. Yeah, you pulled a rabbit out of the hat, but you know they were still guys that didn't have commitments to schools and didn't and still had plenty of eligibility. Hadn't started their eligibility clock. This DeAndre Williams situation is wild, wild, unprecedented in a lot of ways. My favorite tweet from yesterday was our good buddy Parth. It's like, oh, is this guy? Are the way, Memphis hey, Tigers hey, like this every year? Hey. And the funny thing is, this is kind of light. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Parth, by the way, speaking of Parth, Upadhyay, on the show tomorrow at five oh, o'clock. Yeah. So he'll Hell be yeah. he'll be joining he'll be joining the show tomorrow. Um, now, also hidden among all the madness, I, I noticed there there are some options that have opened up on the recruiting market in general for Penny Hardaway. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are those other options? T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This was quiet, but St. John's transfer forward David Jones took an official visit to Memphis yesterday. Six six two twenty. He was a. He started his career at DePaul before transferring to St. John's within the Big East. Averaged thirteen point two points per game, six point eight rebounds per game, one point six assists per game, and added about a steal per game. Last year, also he's considering Kentucky, Xavier, UConn, and Arkansas. 
uh, 6'8 Dayton transfer uh, forward. Mike, I, I, forgive me for probably completely butchering this name, but he is Mongolian, so I'm going to try here. Mike, share of jumps. Share of jumps. I think that's what it is. Somebody could correct me. It's fine. Uh, but he's withdrawing from the 2023 NBA draft. Uh, he was 8-10 all freshman, and he's got Indiana, Memphis, Pitt, Nebraska, San Fran on his list of where he could potentially end up. And then Olivier Kamwa from Tennessee withdrew for the NBA draft. 10-5-2 last year. He had that um, impressive as hell game in the second round uh, where Tennessee took down Duke where he had 27. So that's another guy that could potentially be part of the fold. Kansas State, Michigan, Baylor, Memphis, and, and West Virginia. But yesterday was a day full of smoke, like real smoke. For the first time, whether it was DeAndre Williams or these three names I mentioned, it was a little crazy with the DeAndre news. But that staff, I mean, they're cooking up options. There's no question about it. I think the tone should change about what, what they're trying to do to build this roster for the time being. But let's see that smoke turn into fire, right? Let's see that actually come to fruition, and then we'll, and then we'll sort of reconvene about how this thing is going. I, I still like, even with all the names that are being involved, you know, still no natural big, still no lead guard. But if you bring in enough talent, experienced talent, things ought to fall into place. Yeah, I, I think I'm just I'm extremely hopeful that DeAndre Williams walks out on that court for the Memphis Tigers next season. We've talked about it many times, but he's one of my favorite Tigers ever. I, it, the very few players have ever left it out on the court like DeAndre Williams does. He quite literally has given his body to that program. So him getting another shot at that would be. It would be great because it would feel like he would be kind of the bridge between eras, and that's what we need right now. They need a veteran leader in there that can get you a bucket at any moment. That's what it feels like they're missing. He just he elevates this team. We talked about yesterday how with, without DeAndre Williams, it feels like that this season could be one of those sweated outs, and that's yep. you know that's not what you want after the last two, especially with attendance going down a little bit. But if DeAndre Williams walks back out on that court, I'm pretty confident that this team's going to the NCAA. Turn- yeah, no, that's a tournament team. Yeah. It's a tournament team. And like DeAndre Williams, he strikes me as a guy who won't let them not be. A, he, he, Correct. They will not not be a tournament team. He's going to force them to be a tournament team. And I think, again, we, we talked about this a little bit, but especially yesterday. But with this big freshman class, you're going diving back into that well. Like, I, I, I love the thought of a guy who's been in college for five, six years and has played at a high level for five to six years giving those guys lessons, instilling some things upon them. Like that, That to me, and I know we talk about that in, you know, the pros more. You need those vets, but that is about as grizzled a vet as you could possibly have at the college level. We've talked about it with the Memphis Tigers. The last few seasons, I think, have proven to us the freshman-led teams do not do as well as the veteran teams. We've oh, no seen question. that throughout college basketball over and over and over again. The more veteran guys that you have in that locker room that are talented, the better you are, period. I know that that's pretty a no-duh statement that I just said, but I feel like it needs to be said sometimes. Yeah. Like, the freshman classes aren't all, all, aren't the end-all, be-all. Yeah. But ultimately, Penny may be moving with desperation trying to bring in DeAndre Williams. That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Shows he's trying to accomplish similar things to what they accomplished last year, if not more. He wants to make sure this roster's ready going into next year, and there's nothing, nothing to poo-poo about that. That should be straightforward and understood. I'm the eldest boy. <laughs> that, was a, that was a good tweet, brother. Hey. 
That was a good tweet. Sometimes I got them. Yeah, succession, succession reference. I need to stop though. Like when you go look at my timeline, it's like succession, 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 succession. <laughs> I got I'm like obsessed. Well, but the, with me- it right the memes now. are heavy right the, now because the memes ended. are so good. They yes. apply to so many different things. He is he is the eldest. I, we do need to do um, if he especially gets the waiver. We need to check on ages across Division One college basketball. I would imagine he's the oldest, but I've been surprised there's, before. There's no way there's someone. Well, I mean, in football, they have Austin Ani oh, over at. Oh, you're talking uh, about no, 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 no. I'm talking about basketball oh. strictly, but I'm talking oh, okay. about like there are there's some older guys we don't really pay attention to as much, right? Like just, in, in, ba- in in football, we do have Austin Ani at yeah North Texas, who's 30. Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess that's a different situation because he was. I think he played baseball. He played baseball. You don't really see like a guy that tried to do the professional baseball route play basketball. I understand that, but again, if. I, we need to go check on it. <laughs> again, I don't really care how old he is. If he can hoop, he can hoop, he can play, he can play. That's all I really care about. But it is pretty funny that Bam, we kind of look at as an NBA veteran, <laughs> he and he's 25. Yeah, and, he's, <laughs> and he, was in the same, he was in the same recruiting class. Yes, he was. As DeAndre Williams. So there's that. There's that. Now, uh, Monty Williams got paid yesterday. He got paid. <laughs> I, I wish you could see me right now. I'm sh- I am nodding my head. He got paid $13 million a year. To go coach the Detroit Pistons. Good move or bad move? I'll tell you on the other side, 92.9 FM ESPN. 2,000 on thermometers, 2,000 surrounding us. Travel 2,000 kilometers to hang out with us. What's up, danger? What's up, danger? Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. It's the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Now, Connor Dunning with the music selection. Um, this has to be a movie reference, has I would to. assume. Yes. Um, where, what, what is it? Holler at me. This is What Up Danger from... Uh, into the Spider-Verse, which is, in my opinion, the best Spider-Man movie ever made. This is also from my favorite scene from said movie. You've probably seen it when he's jumping off the building backwards with his Jordans on. It's absolutely incredible. I cannot wait for tonight. Old Miles? Old Miles Morales crushing it. I'm going to the movie tonight. IMAX with my man Isaiah. We're going to be there. I'm sure we'll get a review tomorrow on the show. I yep. cannot wait. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> so is this going to – you're going to be kept away from watching the game tonight, I take it? For a little game bit. For I'll a get little to bit. it. Okay, you'll get to it. I'll get to it. Rock on. Rock on. Um, real quick before I hop into Monty Williams getting paid, why didn't you tell me that Rocky, the Nuggets mascot, he gets paid? Have you seen this from Sports Business Journal? No. Rocky – who's the mountain lion, who's the mascot for the Nuggets, gets paid $625,000 a year. What? This is, I mean, it's per sports business journal. I don't think they're fibbing me. I got into the wrong, I mean, we're in the wrong you business. Fib, you, you fibbing me? Yeah. You fibbing me? I mean, what, is, that. what does he do so special? So, one, I mean, mascots, if you look at it, though, I mean, they're extremely they gotta be athletic. athletic. They got to yeah. be crazy athletic. They have to do a lot of stuff. Former they have to tumblers, be the, usually. That hot suit the entire game. Now, I will say, isn't he the one, though, that they tried to like bring down from the rafters and he like got choked out and passed out on his way down. Isn't that, maybe the, that's isn't that is this, so is this a settlement payment that's turned into a I salary? Guess maybe. Is that what's I, happening here? Well, but like there's two types of mascots. You have this one, then you have like the former Benny the Bull who used to do like cocaine outside out back of the out back of the stadium <laughs> yeah. after the game. Yeah, a lot of, well, like drink with the fans. To be fair, a lot of the NBA did that in the nineties. So <laughs> to be fair. I think this was the early two thousands though. You can look you can check me on that. Pretty sure it was like the early 2000s when the hey. old Benny the Bull got caught um, doing things he shouldn't be hey, doing. get your bag, man. I respect it. Hell yeah. I would imagine Rocky is a clean, cl- clean cut 
um, mascot, though. Oh, he's no. making well, $625. He's, he's in Denver. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. legal out there. <laughs> it sure is. It Talk sure is. Altitude. And, like, I mean, I, I'm bringing up Benny the Bull and cocaine. Like, I, I, I think we frown less upon the partakings there in Denver than we do on that. I think, I think so. And for, I think that's for good fair. reason. We've all seen Scarface. <laughs> yes. And yes. Goodfellas. Oh, my gosh. And you every led, movie. You just led me right into it. Um, was it Al Pacino? Was it Al Pacino and The Godfather? I'm going to make him an offer that he can't refuse. That, that who, so who was that? that? Al Pacino said the line, but he's telling a story about Luca Brasi and Don Corleone when they put a head when they put a gun to somebody's head and made him sign a contract because it's an offer you can't refuse. Either your signature or your brains are going to be on it. That's well, a true story, Kay. Well, a true story. The Pistons made Monty Williams an offer he could not refuse. That's why y'all listen to this show. Right there. God dang. I, when I saw it, we talked about it yesterday. Monty Williams was being rumored to get $10 million or more to be the head coach of the Pistons. Up-and-coming Pistons, 17 wins last year. But by the end of the night, we figured out six years, $78.5 million. That is an offer. As a coach in the NBA, you cannot refuse. The reason you can't refuse it, it's $13 million per. That's the highest paid coach in the NBA. Monty Williams of the Detroit Pistons is now the highest paid coach in the NBA. And Monty, for a while this offseason, told teams he wasn't committed to coaching next season. But the Pistons showed up with an offer sheet and said, here you go. And he said, all right, I guess I'll be coaching. <laughs> I guess I'll be coaching this year. He was leaning, though, toward taking a year off. And I'll say this. The Pistons, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it later. I think it's part of it's a little foolhardy. But I'll say this. The Pistons are telling you what they think about their future. They think it's bright. And I, I get it. I, I do. Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran. If James Wiseman can come along, you have number five. Marvin you have, Bagley? You have building blocks. You have building blocks. And you also have two guys with either tradable contracts or guys you want to keep around as vets in uh, Bojan Bogdanovic and Alec Burks. And they're good players. They can give you good minutes every single night and help bring along those young guys. And my first thought is allowing a coach to go through the process with a young team, that's a welcome change. I enjoy that. The thought of patience and grace to get the job done is a lost art in the NBA. And it's a breath of fresh air to me to see the Pistons go about it in this way. I enjoy genuine investment and belief in something. And the Pistons seem to have that. And I have seen Monty with young teams get them over the hump. He did it with the Suns not too long ago. He did very similar things with that young Suns team. We saw them really break through, go undefeated in the bubble. They went from 19 wins to 34 in year one with Monty with a very similar roster. Now, here's my question, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Connor. Is Monty Williams the exact guy I'd make this investment on? Is he the guy that you would pay at the top of the market to coach your young basketball team? It's more complicated. That's a more complicated conversation. Yeah. He was mm, see that's a tricky question because if I could have anybody in the NBA, any coach, no, of the ones available, yes, okay. you know I, I so and I think to something that you said, 
they had to make him that type of offer to get him to coach again. Because yes. we all knew when he got fired that there was a possibility he would take some time off. He's talked about it in the past. He's been through a lot of personal things. So it was no surprise that he was considering that. But when somebody puts $13 million in front of you, you sign that piece of paper. Oh, hell You yes. sign that piece of paper. And I think it's a tremendous hire for them. I agree with you that it is refreshing to see a team commit to a coach and a young core and say, this is what we are. We think that this has a future. I mean, Bojan Bogdanovic had a career high last year in points. You got Isaiah Stewart. You have James Wiseman, Marvin Bagley, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, Cade Cunningham, the number five pick. There's a lot of positive things happening up there in Detroit right now. And adding Monty Williams to that little concoction, I think, can only be positive moving forward. It reminds me of when the Grizzlies, when they were starting to build their core, they committed to Taylor Jenkins, and that's worked out right. Well, but if I'm asking the question, would I pay Monty Williams the highest salary per year of any NBA coach? I think that's a complicated question. I think it's one thing to hire him. It's a great hire. Like the Pistons, it's home run hire. Like if if you're not even bringing the money into it, he's a great guy for the job. Like I said, I've seen him take a, a up and coming team with young pieces and turn them into the Phoenix Suns that we see now. It's another to pay him the biggest contract for a coach in league history. Like, that's a different thing altogether is, to me. And, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's I just, get that. But is this could this potentially be one of those, like, remember when Mike was the highest paid player in the NBA? Yeah, and he could be resetting the market. Right. I think there's definitely a thought there, right? But, like, ju- he's just fired. He's nine years in as a head coach. He only has nine years of experience as a head coach. He has no championships. And I want to point this out because I just think it's a good reference point. As we went into 22-23, so this season, um, the top six coaches, highest-paid coaches in the NBA, all had championships or multiple championships. Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, uh, Doc, Doc Rivers was third, Eric Spolstra, Mike Budenholzer, Nick Nurse. Those were the top six. They all won championships. Monty hadn't done that, and now he's number one. I just, it's, it's interesting. It's a different precedent. I don't mind the precedent. I don't mind it. Again, I like that the Pistons are are putting their money where their mouth is. They want to actually build a winner, and they think Monty Williams can do that. I think Monty Williams can do that. But (laughs) paying him the most money in NBA history to be the head coach of your franchise, that's interesting. I, I I was thinking about this. I was trying to do an NFL comparison, right? Like, what would this be like? What coach would it be? What franchise would he be taking over if you were going to pay him there at the top of the the market when it comes to coaches. In the NFL, I came up with this being the equivalent of Sean McDermott having a bad year with the Bills. And maybe maybe not even a bad year. Maybe he goes 10-7, and seven, right? They make the... Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Playoffs out in the first round. No one in, in Buffalo likes it. They have Josh Allen. They've made these investments. They want him out, even though he goes 10-7. and seven. But this would be like Sean McDermott getting paid by the Bears the most money in the NFL to be their head coach. He'd be over Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, Mike Tomlin. Like, that's the equivalence that I sort of came up with. But ultimately, this is great for Monty, right? It's great for Monty. Young core, no insane pressure. Like, honestly, barely any pressure. 
Like, like in Phoenix, it was miserable for him because now you had KD added to the fold. Matt Ishbia was new. You knew you didn't have a tie to him, and he was not going to be loyal to you. So now you know you're going to have this core that you can give the world, and you're not going to get pummeled out of a job as soon as you have a bad year. On the other hand, for the Pistons, it's foolishly hopeful. Foolishly hopeful. Huh. Like $13 million a year sunk into a coach for an unbelievably young team that I think can build to something, but doesn't seem that close. Like that team's not that close. They need, what, three three more years of seasoning at the least before really buying into what they're selling. And I think if you look up in four to five years and there isn't any super meaningful movement up the Eastern Conference, doesn't that $13 million a year look pretty damn foolish? Just like slightly foolish at the very least. I get it, though. They just had the worst season they've had in 50 years. And then they got the fifth pick out of it. They needed some positive momentum. I think this this creates positive momentum. I get it. It's it's a large investment. It is it's risky. At the end of the day, though, if it doesn't work, it just doesn't work. I don't yeah. think it's gonna like hinder them moving forward. Yeah, Pistons are a proud franchise, though, man. They are, and they have been not very good. Dwayne Casey did not help out. They have not had a season over five hundred since 2015-2016, and that is a long time ago. Mm. In NBA terms, it's not great. <laughs> not great. <laughs> not ideal. Not ideal. Now, also on the coaching front, Joe Missoula seems to be uh, going nowhere. He's going to be the coach of the Celtics going into next year. Brad Stevens professed his love for him at the exit interviews today, this morning. Uh, I heard Jeffrey say this, and I, I latch on to it heavily. This is a college football move. This is a college football move. The dreaded vote of confidence, man. You don't want to get the dreaded vote of confidence. You don't want to hear, oh, we believe in this guy. Weirdly enough, this is the only time in your life, if you're the head coach of the Celtics and you didn't get to the NBA Finals, you got beat by an eight seed, it's the only time you don't want to hear positive affirmations. And he got all those positive affirmations. And it, eh, it, As much as Brad <laughs> Stevens is putting on that, that face of like, yeah, he can grow into it, he's still young, we, we, we really believe in him and this roster we have put together – I feel like that message has different meaning than the actual words coming out of his mouth. When I read his statement, it felt very businesslike, thought out, and like he, every single word he said, he had thought about because he wanted to make sure he didn't put himself into a pretzel when he was saying things. And I just find it pretty funny that we have already gotten reports that they are 100% going to try to upgrade the bench staff. And then they're like, we have confidence in our head coach. Do we have those assistant coaches yet? This guy's great for our future. Did they pick up the phone yet? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it feels like, well, hey, it, you're, you're it, great, it, man. You're great. What, you're great. What makes me Do we laugh, have his replacements ready? What makes me laugh is you want to upgrade the bench, but at the same time, Ime Udoka took your three assistants. Exactly. There's a problem. Like, what do you mean upgrade the it bench? Feels you just very... have, you, they took your bench and you just have to get new guys. It feels very this is fine and there's a fire <laughs> happening behind Brad Stevens yeah. with, the, with the bench, with the, uh, with the coaching and staff. I do have questions about who's going to have ultimate say because, like, if you're a head coach in the NBA, you expect to have your say in who the assistants are coming in. I don't get the sense Joe Missoula is going to have that say. I think this is Brad Stevens knowing what he knows, being having been around for a long time, having all those connections. It feels like he's the guy where, where the buck's going to stop. He's going to make these hires, and I don't know if Joe Missoula is really going to have as much say as he wants to. I don't think he will. It just 
I'm going to be honest. Like, I understand they gave him an extension during the season. I understand he had a top three defense, top three offense heading into the playoffs. His playoff performance, coaching-wise, was horrific. It was It bad. was terrible. He made – people were like, he made adjustments. Great. They still lost to an eight seed that they shouldn't have lost not, to. Not enough. And he made the adjustments way too late. He wasn't desperate early enough. He – he didn't really make meaningful adjustments offensively the no. entire play. It was quite run. literally did the threes go in. Like, de- but defensively, I saw a couple of things. I, I keep bringing up the two big lineup, but Ime Udoka ran it all last year. Like, he, that was the one string he pulled. Then he went, you know, once they started playing the Heat, he pulled that, them back out. I think those are the adjustments we can talk about. It was purely defensively. Offensively, there was no, hey, Jason, attack the, uh, attack the basket more. Hey, Jalen, stop going to your left hand. You lose the ball every single time you try to dribble with your left. There was no adjustments offensively in the entire NBA playoffs for Joe Missoula. And, like, I, he's young. He, he can still learn, but it doesn't feel like he is. It still has a substitute teacher vibe to it. It really does. I can't shake that thought. Because I ultimately think that Brad Stevens is going to make these hires based on who he knows, not who Joe Missoula knows. And if you're an NBA coach, that's not how that usually works. You usually have all your ducks in order. You are there. You run the ship. You decide who's going to be on your, on your bench. And Joe Missoula doesn't seem to have that power. When you are in the position that you are when you're Brad Stevens and you're having to sell to people the leadership of your head coach after what we just witnessed – that feels like game over, man. It, I, I understand that, yeah, that they're in a bind. They gave him that extension. It would be embarrassing to fire a head coach after this, after what happened. I, I get it. Can I say this too? I, just I think don't you have to do it. I don't. Th- <sighs> I just don't know if the play. I don't think the players believe in him. Period. I just. I really don't. He wasn't in, in the huddle. Can I in the say playoffs. this in a in a in a literal sense? Do I think they'd be better off with a new coach? Yes. Do I think he deserves to be fired? No. That's where I'm at. I think Do I think they'd be better served with someone else doing it? Absolutely. Anybody. Not anybody, but most people. A lot, a lot of coaches around the NBA. But did he do enough to really have him put himself in a position to just be immediately cut out of the fold? No. He won three games in the Eastern Conference Finals in the end of the day. Pushed it to seven games when no one thought they could. I don't think he's a great coach. I think they're in a tough, tough spot with him. <laughs> Hell yeah! Here's what I, here's what I'll say. I don't think you can win a ring with him on your sideline. Okay. I and part of me too. I mean, I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dispute that. Um, you can have your opinion on that. I do think like there is part of this where how old is he? Early 30s. It's like 34, if I'm not mistaken. Like he's he he can learn. He can grow. He can learn. But this but, year was just very telling. That's but that's what you want. If you're like the Pistons, he can learn and grow. You're the you're in the championship window right now. You're about to give your two best guys six hundred million dollars, and you're having question marks about your head coach. Still, I don't. It's just I, I, I wouldn't be me. I'll say that <laughs> wouldn't be me. But they gave him the extension. They're caught with their pants down. They got to do what they got to do. But I think ultimately he saved himself by winning a game in the Eastern Conference Finals. By winning a game. He, I mean, Just he think won about three. how bleak that is. I, I get it. I understand how that sounds. But, like, I, 
one year of a guy who took over for Ime Udoka after you had to get rid of him. He was the substitute teacher three weeks before the season. You had to make him the head coach. Then you see how he did. He was started off 21-5, and five, had a great regular season, second-best regular season in the NBA this year, uh, makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, was it ugly? Did he get knocked out in the Eastern Conference Finals? Sure. But I think for a first-year head coach, those would usually look pretty – all of those accomplishments would look pretty positive. And I understand the situation dictates how we view it. But, I, I mean, it's hard for me to rationalize fully firing him right now. But, again, still think they'd be better served with someone else as a head coach. You're saying you would Boston. fire you, you just don't want to commit to it, Gay. You just don't want to say I, it. No, I, I, Let me say it. I can't, I, I, I can't commit to it because I, I believe in fair treatment. I don't like burning bridges, Connor. I don't like burning bridges. Do you think uh, Monty Williams called HBO and said thank you? <laughs> Honestly, man, probably. Probably. I mean, it, just no pressure anymore. No pressure. Well, and $13 million a year. $13 million a year, and you, all you have to do is get more than 17 wins the next couple seasons. <laughs> like, winning. Joe Mazzula could do that. <laughs> I think he could. I think that's possible. I think that's possible. Now, we're going to go ahead and bring on David Cobb when we come back from the break right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.